Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to episode 20 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and this week's guest is a great one. Um, He was a two-time Ohio State high school champion. Uh, He took his talents to Kent State University, where he had a great career at Kent State. Uh, He won the Ohio Open Championship two times, uh, which he's the fourth player in history to do that, joining the likes of John Cook, Arnold Palmer, and Frank Stranahan. He won four times professionally while he was playing professional golf. Uh, In 2008, he was a member and uh, contributor in the U.S. winning the Ryder Cup. In 2003, he was named PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. And in 2003, he won the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Uh, This is your 2003 major champion, Ben Curtis. Um, really had a good chat with Ben. Uh, I was fortunate enough that um, a good friend of mine is connected to Ben um, at the Country Club of Hudson, where they host a um, great golf tournament, the Hudson Junior, uh, which has been going on for ever since I uh, grew up playing for sure, and I think you know long before that as well. Um, but Ben really kind of di- Ben and I kind of dive into. Um, his career, we talk a lot about, you know, some of the successes that he had in his journey. Um, but we talk about also what he's doing now. He's building, uh, Ben Curtis golf Academy out at the country club of Hudson. Um, you know, he talks about what's important for, um, players to know. And, you know, he's a parent as well, uh, of a young player. So he brings some, some value in that regard. Um, we just have a great chat and we had a really good time talking to each other. Um, obviously, he's accomplished a lot in his career. Um, and I think you guys are really going to take a lot of value away from him. So I appreciate you joining in. Uh, if you sit tight, I'll be right back with our guest, Ben Curtis. Welcome back to episode 20 of Junior Golf Keys. Um, as you heard, I've got a Great guest for us this week, somebody that I think is going to be able to bring a lot of value, um, has recently shifted over the past couple of years, his focus and uh, what he's doing in the game of golf, um, and that's Ben Curtis, the 2003 Open Champion, uh, 2003 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, and I've got Ben on the line. Ben, what's happening? Hey, Matt, how are you? Good to see you. We're good to talk I'm great. To you, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I'm great, man. I appreciate you taking some time out of your morning and um, just jumping on here and sharing some of your knowledge and experience with this group. Um, You know, we've got a lot of prospective uh, collegiate professional uh, players, you know, junior players that are really trying to take their games to the next level and parents that are listening that are trying to figure out how to help them do that. And I thought that you would be a really good person to jump in and, and talk a little bit about that. So I just wanted to start off by, I, I kind of have everybody just give a little bit of an introduction. I mean, anybody that follows golf knows who you are uh, and knows a little bit about your story, but um, just from your perspective, you know, how did you get introduced to the game? And can you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I mean, obviously I was very lucky and fortunate uh, 
you know, when I was born, my grandfather just built the golf course, a little public golf course in central Ohio, uh, not too far from uh, Murfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. So we were just north of there in a little town of Ostrander. So there's probably more people listening to this podcast than there is now, <laughs> you know, right now. But, uh, you know, a town of like 800 people, just really farmland and uh, very country, but uh, down earth people. But my grandfather and my grandmother built this little public golf course called Mill Creek. And, you know, I was born and, you know, I was 50 steps from the 18th green. My dad was the superintendent. Obviously, my grandfather worked and owned the course and, and did all the mowing along with my dad. But, you know, my mom worked in the shop and in the concession stand. So, you know, I was just very fortunate to be around it, you know, from a very early age and, you know, just just took a liking to it. You know, it's just one of those things you, you just can't describe. I mean, I don't remember when I was three years old, <laughs> what, what gravitated me towards the game of golf, but sure. Um, but maybe it's just the convenience of it. Uh, you know, it was fun. Um, I enjoyed the challenge. So, you know, so, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and, you know, first thing I do would go, go play or practice golf as much as I could. So, and then, you know, and it was funny when I, when I was about 11, my parents said, we need to move away. Cause he's just, <laughs> I was obsessed with it basically. <laughs> and then so, um, but I would, we moved two, three miles away and I would find every excuse to try to stay at my grandparents' house who lived right at the driving range. So right. <laughs> that's, that's funny. You know, two houses down from the 18th Creek, you know, so everything is real tight. So, I mean, if you've ever gone there, I mean, it takes you, a hundred steps to get from, you know, one place to the next. So it's real tight. And, um, and and that's how I got introduced. And, you know, so it's, it's crazy to think about it. I had older cousins that played the game. So they were a big influence. Um, you know, my brother, when we got a little bit older, became more involved and became a better player. So I always had these people around me that helped push me to, you know, to try to do the best I could. And, um, so that's my introduction to the game, um, but yep. uh, obviously had a, a lot of support uh, from family and, and friends to, to allow me to pursue what I wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. That's an interesting story. So my dad uh, grew up in a very similar scenario. His, uh, his father bought a golf course, I think when he was 10 years old, it was a little nine hole right. um, golf course and same thing. House was right there. You could literally just, you know, run down to the barn or to the, to the pro shop and, uh, head out. And I had my dad on actually a couple episodes ago, just to kind of talk about his experience and was telling some similar perspectives as you were, um, just got out there and just immersed in that environment. You know, how could you not fall in love with the game? Right. Exactly. You know, and I think, you know, one, the convenience of it, but two, like, you know, I could have had the convenience of it, but I also had cousins that played college golf one went to bowling green here in ohio the other went to georgia southern um and played for coach gordon and you know it's one of those things it's like you you know so i had them they were 10 12 years older than me so it was quite easy so in the summer when they were home or when they were high school you know we'd have matches and that that really pushed me and uh you know, I'm a very competitive person like that. And, and so that, that's what 
kind of kept me motivated, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. And, and the drive was there and, you know, we just play for pizza or, or, you know, who didn't have to wash all the carts and, you know, small things, <laughs> right. small things like that. And, um, you didn't have to sweep the floor in the clubhouse. So, um, it was a very right. family run golf course and still is so that my parents own it today. And now my brother and his wife are highly involved in, in, in stuff there too. So they help run the, the place. So it's, it's still and still some aunts there and, and, and cousins working. So it's, it's still very family oriented. It's, it's, it's just awesome to see, I think, um, you know, for the game of golf, I think to have people like that. And we're not the only course like that. Mill Creek's not the only course. There's thousands of them across the country, little public golf courses like that. And I think it's just, sure. it's just awesome. And it's a great way to get young people involved. They host, you know, all kinds of junior events, U.S. kids golf. They host, um, they host college events because Ohio Westland's right there. So they have, they host some events for the men's and women's golf teams. So, or like little matches or qualifiers. So, you know, they're right. You know, they're doing it in a, in a, in a great way to, to help promote the game. So, um, you know, I was just looking through the golf week and they have the, the latest resorts and, <laughs> all the fancy places and and they're great and needed but and it helps promote the game but there's also the other side where you know you got these little little public courses that make the world go to yeah for sure i was i had um scott stallings on probably a month and a half ago and he was talking about one of the projects that he's got going on down in tennessee um where kids play for free so they come out and you know on on certain days the whole family comes out and it's just a big experience for everybody um which is just neat so yeah you you need both both aspects right right and then but then uh, we were talking the other day because they just opened a top golf here in cleveland and it's like okay and that's needed too it's just another way to introduce people to the game of golf yeah it's not the traditional (laughs) manner where you put the you know cleats on and you you go out there and you play nine or 18 holes, but it's just a great way to introduce maybe the people that necessarily wouldn't play, but we went as a family and had a great time. You know, we had some drinks and food and, and, you know, and the kids were, they loved it, you know, just watching the ball bounce in, see what the score they got. And it's just, it's just a different way, but you know, some people don't like it. I know, but then there's people that love it. And I, and I'm the one that's, I love it because it's just, it's help building the game, right? Anytime it's, yep. <laughs> it, you know, but some people think putt-putt golf. It's not really, but yeah. it's still <laughs> right. introducing people to, to the sport that we play. And, and I think it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah. I think anytime we can put a club in somebody's hand that hasn't held one, um, you know, we're moving forward in the right direction. Exactly. Um, can you talk a little bit about your, what was your junior golf experience like in Ohio? I know you were a two-time uh, state champ um, in Ohio, and you stayed in state for school at Kent State University. Your two-time Ohio Open champion. What was what were those early years like for you growing up playing competitively? Well, I mean, I started real young. I think I was five years old when I played my first event, and it was actually okay. little the little people's out in um, Peoria, Illinois. So. Um, and I played against DA points at that time. <laughs> he was the same okay, age wow. as me. So, so that just kind of shows you the small world. So yeah, I started at, at, at five years old. I played in that 
for maybe seven, eight years in a row. Um, and then just played as we had a little call it a tournament, Little Brown Jug, which was at a little pub, a par three course in Delaware, which five minutes from the house. So it was just, it was just one of those things that, you know, I was involved from, I just wanted to play as much as I could, as many tournaments as I could. I, I, I begged my parents to <laughs> allow me to play in tournaments. And then as I grew and got older yeah. and, and, and obviously got better and, and, and stuff when I was about 11 or 12, I started playing in some AJGA stuff and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I just kept building the ladder, just played as many local events. There was, and, and Ohio is a great game for, you know, it's a great state for that. I mean, there's a lot of history, sure. especially in Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati areas. I mean, there's a lot of great junior events and, uh, you know, there wasn't the U.S. kids back then, but uh, there was the heart of Ohio um, was like a little junior uh, league that they had. So they would have tournaments throughout central Ohio. And, you know, they would probably have 20, 25 events throughout the summer. Um, so yeah. I did a lot of those. Um, so it was about when I was about 11 or 12, though, that's when, I, the, you know, the traveling started picking up, played in the future masters down in actually won that down in Alabama when I was okay. 10 years old. Um, and then, you know, then obviously the AJGA was a, a big part of, you know, which allowed me to, to, to travel and to play different courses, different environments, and then ultimately get recruited to play college golf. And, you know, I always had that dream since, like I told you, I was obsessed when I was like three years old. I just five years old kept thinking I was going to win. You know, obviously the memorial was a big event because it for sure. me because it it started I think in seventy seven or so, that was the year I was born seventy six or something like that. So it was right around the time I was born. So yeah, and obviously you know Jack was king in Columbus. Everybody wanted <laughs> you know it was like for like, sure everybody took a week off just to go to that event. So um, yeah, so. Yeah, so junior golf was a big part of, of who I was. And, you know, I, I did play other sports, but, you know, but golf was the, the main sport. So, Yeah. What um, – why did you choose Kent State and what was your experience like in college golf? Well, when I was getting recruited, I mean, I was getting recruited by eight to ten schools and kind of narrowed it down to – you know, had it down to basically four schools. I had it, uh, Kent State, uh, Ohio State, obviously, um, Minnesota, and Florida Southern. So, okay, um, those were the four that I visited and you know spent a lot of time on. But um, ultimately, it was a couple factors. One, the number one factor was her page. Um, we hit it off right away. We had a great relationship. Um, I just felt like he, he was easy to talk to, go to him for anything. Um, he felt like, you know, kind of a second father to me as I, as I developed here in Kent, I'll get into that later. But, um, and then, um, and number two, there was three or four kids on the team that I knew. So playing junior golf with, so that really made, helped the decision. And, you know, the last thing it wasn't the most important I wanted to move away. I wanted to get away. So, yeah. um, but those, those were, but Herb was the big thing. 
and um, you know Kent State. If you've ever been there, it's a it's a <laughs> it's a nice campus. It's it's fairly small, but it's still a big school. But it didn't feel like a big school to me. Like Ohio State, just kind of you know I was a shy. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't uh, I wasn't very social. I didn't go out a lot or do all that good stuff. And Ohio State, was yeah, just, it was just too big. I felt like it would uh, overwhelm me. So. Um, sure. So, but, but obviously with Herb and Kent State and the other kids on the team, it was it's pretty easy decision. Yeah. What um, what developed in your relationship with Herb that was so special for you? Well, I just I could relate to him. Um, he just had this demeanor about him that I really enjoyed. I mean, he he. Could, if you ever met him or talked to him, I mean, you, you spend five minutes with you think it's five minutes, but it's really an hour. You know, it's yeah. just one of those that it just keeps you entertained, and he has so much history. I mean, he – I don't know if you know his background, but he played three sports at Kent State. He played football, hockey, and golf. And wow. um, he played on uh, – his football teams he played on with, were with Nick Saban, Jack Lambert, uh, Gary Pinkle, um, and then his, his coach was Don James, who went on after Kent State, went on to Washington and won a national championship there. So just hearing the stories from those college, you know, he, he was a place kicker um, and all that. So just hearing those stories from that. And then, um, you know, obviously he's hockey because he's from Canada. And then he played for Coach Brown at Kent State. He was at Kent State before he went on to Ohio State and coached there for 30-some years. So, okay. Um, so that's who he played against in college, but then they had all these battles, you know, as coaches against each other. And, uh, you know, it was just a great rivalry and it was a lot of fun, uh, but yeah, just, he was just one of those people that, but he was kind of an old school coach to a degree, okay. like, and I really enjoyed that. So <laughs> he, I didn't know this at the time, but when my dad dropped me off, you know, after, when I moved in, he, he basically went to Herb and said, Herb, he's yours now. <laughs> he's your kid. <laughs> like, he's not mine. So, and and so, you know, yeah, he he wanted to win. He was very passionate. He, he had the competitive sure. streak that I had, and I think that's what really drew us together was like, hey, we wanted to do everything we could to win. And um, yeah. we were going to – we may not have looked like the best golf team out there, but, you know, we're going to fight and we're going <laughs> to – compete and and you know we don't care if it's snowing raining sunny windy you know cloudy or perfect out like we're you know we we didn't care we we just want to play golf and compete so yeah i think that's what drew me to him and then and then also but you could go to him for anything like (laughs) he'd be yelling at you five minutes and then five minutes later he's like hey uh, what can i help you with you know do you (laughs) got everything going on everything good at school and all that good stuff so yeah, you know, he just had this. I wouldn't say it's a love hate. It's not a love hate, but it's just, a, <laughs> it's just one of those things that hey, he'd do everything he could to push you to get you to play at the best, and then also be there for you and, and support you and everything else that you do. Yeah, so support you, but hold you accountable. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, yeah. Um. So let's see. You turned pro then in two thousand. Yeah. Um. And then made it to the PGA Tour in 2003. Um, you skipped Nationwide completely, is that correct? Yeah, because um, 
back then it was structured differently structure was different so you know when i turned pro i actually was lucky because i was the number one ranked amateur because i had a good summer leading up to the when i turned pro so yeah um in 99 which was after my junior year you know i went to the semis of the usa i'm out in pebble beach and yep. then you know had a successful senior year i think i won the mat we you know individual conference but i had a really solid season uh with second team all american and then you know, leading into that summer, I had a great run of, you know, some of the top amateur events, the Porter Cup, the Monroe, um, USAM, the Western Am, finished runner up there. Uh, USAM, I was, uh, went to the final eight and then went to World Cup. So I just had this nice little run in the summer and that allowed me to get to the golf week number one ranking. So when I decided to turn pro, I signed with IMG. And that was a whole nother, <laughs> I was like yeah. going through college, you know, the college recruiting process again. Oh, sure. And, and then and signed with IMG and then went on to, you know, and I got a couple tour starts, but went to Q school, didn't make it through the first couple of years. Uh, just went, made it to second stage all both years and then just didn't make it through that. And then, so I played the Hooters tour. So, you know, the decision right. behind that was, you know, it was the most, it wasn't one of those, you just stuck in one place, you know, it wasn't like right. um, the Golden Bear Tour, which was popular, a lot of guys play, they just, you know, you basically just get an apartment in South Florida, and you just, you know, play in a bunch of different tournaments down there, so I wanted to kind of travel around, and so did that for two years, you know, one once on the tour there, uh, but had a a lot of other top 10 finishes so was able to make some right. money which is a key thing back in that time, for sure you know and, and then to allow me to keep playing and and as you know q school it's it's a long grueling process and you know it you got to play good at the right time and it's <laughs> it's one of those things i wish they would kind of do it over a course of the season instead of a three or four week you know stint in the season so but, right. uh, yeah, so back then, you know, if you went to the finals, that kind of gave you the opportunity to play the nationwide or the web. And then, yep. and then now, you know, now it's basically you, you can only get to, to that, right? Whereas back then, they still had four right. spots for the tour, and that's how I got on. So, right, right. Yeah, now, uh, now Corn Ferry, um, yeah, that took over for web is, uh, yeah, the, the path to the PGA now. Um, but, you know, producing a lot of really good players. We were actually talking about it yesterday. Um, I was with some folks from the tour, and uh, we were talking about how I want to say it was like 20 out of the 25 um, players that earned their cards through the regular season. Um, yeah, I, th- I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but basically, I mean – everybody at the, at that level is just producing really well once they get to the tour. So I think the system's working. Um, you know, there's a lot of good players that are young that are coming out that are having, you know, pretty immediate success. So, um, I think it's exciting. I think it's definitely, definitely, it's definitely working. I think the, my only issue with it, it just kind of, ruins that dream because always you know sure when i was playing especially when you got to college and you thought about playing on tour like it was one of those things like i can actually go from (laughs) 
I could go from playing college to go right to the tour. Whereas now, you, yeah, it, it's very difficult unless you're maybe five or six amateur college players that when they turn pro have that opportunity because right. they'll get some starts on tour. But, you know, back then, if you weren't those top, you know, because I play against Kucher, Charles yeah. Al, you know, Charlie Hoffman, uh, Jonathan Bird. I mean, we had all these guys that went, you know, basically straight from college right to the tour. And, and so there was yeah. that possibility of being able to do that. And having that dream where that's my only negative to it now is that yeah. you don't have that opportunity. But I get the stats behind it because it does make sense. I mean, because I think of the 40-some guys that made it on tour, maybe only 10 of them kept their card, you know, from right. my rookie year. It, yeah. It, just guessing. But, um, but yeah, I think it's it's a good thing what they're doing. I maybe I wish they would leave maybe 10 spots open to the Q's, you know, the top yeah, 10 yeah. and go right to the tour. So. Sure. Sure. No, I hear you. I think, yeah, I think they'll probably look at different ways this weekend and, yeah. you know, continue to make it better. So, um, so let's see, you turn pro and, and then in 2013, you're the PGA tour rookie of the year. You won the open championship. Um, does that get old? hearing that <laughs> no <laughs> no definitely not um, uh i can't you know, imagine it would, but can... i had to ask <laughs> no you, no matter how hard people try to take the trophy away they can't right so that's right that's it, right so. um uh, can you talk about just that achievement and such an early part of your career and and what that meant and, and kind of how you handled it yeah um Obviously, like you said, it was my rookie year. Um, and at the time, you know, heading into the open, I was still just trying to figure out the, the tour, <laughs> so to speak. And right. um, like I, like we were just talking about, I, I didn't have that nationwide or the corn ferry or the web to kind of guide you along the way to, you know, with a lot of similarities between the two tours, obviously the money and, and the, the fan, you know, the exposure is a lot different, but, you know, week to week, there's not a lot of, the structure is very similar. So I was still, right. I think it was like my 16th event that year on tour. Um, so I was still trying to figure out my way and I, you know, I was starting to play well, which really helped. So the four previous events, I made all the cuts in each event. I just started placing a little bit better. So, I was just getting a little bit more comfortable with the tour and, and, and the travel and, and, and figuring that all out. So um, heading in the British, you know, I just had a lot of confidence. Um, you know, it's kind of funny story because they kind of do it similar to what they do now where it's certain uh, where you finish like at the, at that event was Cog Hill, the Western open. And I finished right around top 10, but they took the top eight, players that weren't exempt into the British. So right. the next eight. So, I mean, obviously you had Tiger, VJ, Eric, and all these guys that were just prepping because it was two weeks prior to, to the, uh, to the British. So I actually qualified. That's how I qualified. And then I wasn't married. Candace and I were engaged. And then, so we had a short rain delay. So on the final round on sixteen. And uh, we come in, and, and my mom or somebody said, like, hey, if you part of the last two holes, you're in the British Open. I'm like, what? 
Like I had no clue, <laughs> you know, you're just so into what you're doing. And, um, right. So we go back out, obviously now I'm really nervous. <laughs> yeah. No pressure. You, know, always, you always dream of playing <laughs> in those events, but until they actually come out, you don't really think about it. So then I, so, you know, I kind of shanked it around for two holes and somehow got it in and, and par made a couple pars and, and yeah. uh, got into the British. Well, then when I finished, we were sitting in the locker room. I leave to head to the airport, and Candace goes, "I don't have a passport." I'm like, oh, oh! I said, "So obviously you're going to go to the British." And that. so we got to figure yeah. out a way. So I called my agent up, and he's like, "All right, give me half hour." So he called back and said, "Don't <laughs> leave. Just <laughs> don't leave town. Um, get a get a hotel." And he gave me an address, and uh, so the next morning we got up went to this place i mean it was pretty shaky it's pretty scary it was the basement of, of some guy's house and and we handed him cash and he goes you're gonna have a passport on wednesday afternoon oh wow that was great you know and this was you know a couple of years after 9-11 so it wasn't that you know long after that so you know how right. that process was back then for sure so we go over and and you know, and I just had a lot of confidence, you know, just kind of everything clicked together. And, um, you know, I got a local caddy who ended up then caddying for me for, you know, 10 years on tour. Um, yeah. And he was a European caddy, but it wasn't, he just lived in the area close to the course. And so okay. we hooked up through IMG, which um, he caddied for, like he was not at the time, but he, before that was, uh, Hegman, who played on the Europe Ryder Cup team sure. back in the 80s and 90s, so the early 2000s. So, you know, he's an accomplished player. So he's been around and, and uh, with Caddy. And so he had a lot of experience with that kind of stuff. And and so, he, he, you know, the biggest thing that he did was, you know, obviously been around Americans going to Lynx Golf. Like, he missed the green and he would just in the practice round, he would even let you grab the sand wedge or wedge. He's like, <laughs> right. he's like, you're either putting it or you're chipping it or something. So, yeah. And so that was really key. But, uh, you know, and each day as the tournament got on, I just got more and more comfortable. And um, I think what really helped me was being a rookie was, one, the weather was good. It was, you know, right around 80 degrees every day, sunny. There was a little bit of wind, but nothing crazy. Um you know, maybe 10 to 15 miles an hour, pretty steady, but, um, it was just really dry. I mean, the course was like concrete, um, yeah. very similar to like how Hoy Lake played. Um, okay. a few years later when Tiger and, uh, DeMarco had that duel where remember, I don't know if you remember that one. Oh yeah, for sure. It was like really dry. And it was, so it was very similar conditions to that. Um, maybe okay. not quite as dry as that, but I mean, it was, it was pretty firm. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I just got more and more comfortable and, um, you know, obviously each day I was never really near the lead, so to speak. So I was like, yeah, I shot one over one over and then I shot uh, one under on Saturday, which kind of put me in the, it put me in the top 10, but I think I was like third or fourth from last group, a couple yeah. shots back, but you had tiger davis bjorn uh vj um and 
then I would I played with Philip Price, so that, I think that all, all this stuff kind of fell into place perfectly. <laughs> right. You know, like I could have played with Tiger. I could have been playing with uh, Davis Love or VJ, and I already played with VJ a couple times, so I would have probably been okay with him. But like obviously playing with Tiger for the first time, or um, yeah. and that. So I played with Philip Price, who's you know was a Welshman and down to earth, and he was probably top 20 in the world at the time, but he was in his mid forties at the time. So, yeah. Um, you know, all that kind of helped out, you know, it wasn't, we weren't the marquee group, so to speak. So, right. um, and then, yeah, I just got off to a hot start on Sunday. So that was the key because <laughs> I was obviously nervous and was, you know, knew I had a chance to win. And, you know, before we went to bed, on Sunday or Saturday night, I told Candace that I was going to win. And she obviously went mute and didn't talk to me until after the round on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. And, Cause she was like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like you're not supposed to do this now. And then, um, <laughs> right. um, and then, um, and all I kept thinking, cause that first hole, the fairway was really hard to hit. You just couldn't see it. So it was just very difficult to see hit but then the rough was the worst on the course and um i don't know if you remember that's where tiger lost the ball in the first hole of the tournament right couldn't find it made like a triple or something so all i kept thinking about was if i hit that first fairway i was going to win and so that was my only focus so it kind of kept it off of the whole other 18 holes you know the 17 sure but it kind of just kept the focus pretty clear and you know i was fortunate to hit the fairway and then and, and then I just kind of just totally relaxed from there and went on yeah well, that's pretty awesome um you know I'm sure that there's a ton of things that you can reflect on from that round and leading up to it and after and um but obviously that's one of the highest accomplishments uh yeah. that you can have in golf so it's a really cool thing I appreciate you sharing that yeah, with no us worries. thank you um I want to shift a little bit and I don't want to gloss over any of your other accomplishments, but I do want to dive into, because I mean, you've played on Ryder cup team. That's one. You've also won multiple times on tour. Um, but I kind of want to shift and dive into what you're doing now. Um, and so a couple of years ago, you made the decision that you were going to step away from playing competitively and you're going to focus more on teaching. And can you kind of talk about that decision and, and what you are doing now? Yeah. So, you know, the last several years, I won in 2012 and, um, you know, played decently for the next couple of years. And then I just got to the point, you know, somewhere in early 15, that it just like I just wasn't enjoying the travel, uh, not the tour life, just being away from the family because the kids were going into school full time and, and, you know, they had their lives here and, and they had their sports and their school activities and their friends and, and all that. So it just took a toll because, you know, they were traveling with me and all of a sudden now I'm traveling alone and, and then yeah. as nice as places you go, it's, it's not the same without the experience with your family. And, and so it, it was like a two-year process, basically. So I, I kind of went through the motions the first year, and then the second year it was kind of, okay, do I want to do this or do I not? And um, and it just took one, you know, I came back from Valero um, 
in 2017 and, and, and was like, that's it. I'm done. And, yeah. um, you know, and the, and, and the support from Candace was fabulous. She was like, you know, she support. And then finally it was kind of a wake up call. She kind of just snapped her finger kind of and said, all right, you're either all in or you're out. Like don't sure. just walk through the motions and, and straddle on the fence. Yeah. Straddle. The guys are too good. You can't, there's no way you compete just coming home, just not practicing, not playing. And right. then, you know, playing eight events a year, that's, it's just not going to work out. So, and I was at the age and I accomplished everything. And I think that was part of it too. It was just like, sure. I accomplished everything that I wanted to from a kid. And it was just like, okay, it's like a Duvall, right? I mean, once he mm-hmm. kind of worked up and he won his major, he, it was built up to do that so much. And then once he did it, it was like the love disappeared. And, and yeah. so, so I retired and was well, played in my last event in 2017 in April. And, and then, so for about three or four months, it was kind of like, okay, just kind of figuring out what I want to do or just join my time at home. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just found that I kind of missed being around the game and, um, in some way. So, um, I just thought of different things and, and, and then I had a long talk with uh, Herb and, and he, you know, we just kind of, and then I came home and just made the decision like, Hey, I want to give back to the game a little bit more. And, and what can I do to do that? And I said, what, what better way than just to help young kids to want to pursue what I wanted to pursue as a kid. So sure. started, at, you know, at the end of 18, we, you know, kind of put together or end of 17, sorry, put together, you know, the Ben Curtis Golf Academy and uh, just this plan. So, you know, I do work with some adults, but the majority, you know, 90% of what I do is I work with kids. And so um, it's not a recruitment. I don't go out and try to recruit kids, but, you know, ideally I love to get the kids that want to play college or professional and, and stuff like that. So, um, I started out and I was very lucky and fortunate to, you know, to be able to go to, you know, where Mark is there at the country club Hudson and they've been very yeah. open and, and said, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you need, you know, let us know. And I said, well, I don't need a lot. I just <laughs> give me the range and course. If I can work, you know, with kids and do that, I'd, I'd be happy. So, um, right. that made, that made the decision easy. Where am I going to host it? And obviously I, with Hurt Bage with, you know, the windmill lakes and they have a learning center. So you can do winter stuff and was fortunate enough to be able to do some of that as well. So, yeah, just, so most of my clients are 12 to, I've got a couple college kids now, you know, 12 to 18, 19 years old. And, um, you know, some of them are playing AJGA. Some are just playing locally that want to get better to hopefully get to that level and, you know, the ones obviously playing in college and, you know, we work on X's and O's or how to swing, but a lot of it's mental. It's, um, you know, tournament prep and how to practice and how to, how to compete to get a little bit better. Um, you know, what can you do when you're not playing and what can you, <laughs> and why you're playing right. and, and, and stuff like that. So it's just, yeah, we work a lot on technique, but a lot of it, it's the other stuff that, go into it so yeah golf is 90 percent mental once you have the talent i mean it's all the mental uh what how do you deal with the pressure and and all that good stuff so now 
so I'm working with about eight students now, uh, pretty much full time. And, you know, some are several days a week. Couple, some of them are just, uh, you know, once a week, but uh, for a few hours at a time and a lot of stuff in the summer, you know, we go out and play and, and do a lot of that. But now it's it's now it's making those changes to the swing that I feel are necessary to get them to the next level. So, cause as you know, mate, just changing your grip, you know, moving your right hand, just an inch or half an inch, you know, feels to golfers feels so foreign and, and very sure. difficult to do. So now in the winter we can, we're able to do that. So, um, yeah. so that's what I'm doing. And, and, you know, the country club of Hudson has been awesome to, to allow me to do what I want to do. And, uh, um, yeah, hopefully build it and keep building it up and um, get more kids that want to do this. And and I remember going through the recruiting process and, you know, that I was lucky when I started this that I had a young lady that she uh, was just she's only been playing several years and um, she didn't really know what to do. But a lot of parents don't even know what to do, <laughs> sure. like how, how to do it. So, uh, you know. And it's simple, really, if you think about it, you know, just get a resume, um, you know, get your GPA, all, you know, put a little, you know, sheet together of your accomplishments. If you have video, that's great. You know, we put in an email and we just start emailing some coaches and, you know, next thing you know, she had eight or 10 schools that were contacting her and trying to get her to to join their program, but ultimately she ended up staying close to home and she was in the university of Akron. So, um, and they have a nice young team. They have three great players that joined, came in with her. So, you know, they're probably going to be doing some good stuff here in the next few years with the talent that they have, but it's just going through that process that a lot of kids don't know what to do or how to do it. And, uh, you know, I love to be able to help them in every way they could because, Yep. My parents didn't really know what to do. And, sure, sure. and um, you know, the help that the AJGA gives a lot of these kids is good, but, you know, it, it gives them the exposure, but it doesn't necessarily teach them how to go through the process or how to, you know, how to narrow that list down to the school you want to go to. So. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's, very, it's a very unique game, um, you know, mechanically and, you know, mentally and um you know preparation so yeah it's definitely good to have some direction and that's you know why i started this podcast also is just to you know give parents and players a resource um to be able to be able to gather that type of information so um i read an article a couple as i think it was from a couple years ago um that you had done an interview with golf digest where you were just talking along these the same line just talking about um, being able to uh, give young players or talk to them about just the whole aspect of being a golfer at certain levels. So I take that statement and kind of, it makes me think that you have some belief that, you know, there are different challenges throughout your development and throughout your journey as a young player um, at different levels where um, certain things may be, need to be focused on more than other things. Is that correct? Am I correct in that assumption of kind of your thought process? Yeah, very much. Cause you know, especially with young kids when they're in that 12 to 14, 15 year age group, it's a very difficult 
time with your body as well. So a lot of these kids are growing, they're <laughs> getting stronger. And, and I remember how difficult it was for me. Like I had a, my sophomore year I had a big growth spurt and that's when I had a, you know, kind of a, a difficult time with my game. I didn't play as well. I didn't make it to States and, um, it wasn't a very good year, but, um, I got down, but, you know, I also had to support a family that kind of understood that maybe to some sure. degree at the time I didn't know, but, you know, they were like, you know, Hey, you'll be fine. Just keep working hard. And so that's, you know, so I kind of prepared the kids or, you know, let them know, Hey, it's just a growth spurt. You grew six inches in a year and a half like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're hitting a, you're, you're hitting an eight iron 125. Now you're hitting 170. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> That's a tough adjustment. Like, I'm not going to sure. be able to do that. If I went on tour and was and that change happened, I'm obviously not going to be the same player. So, yeah, um, it just to understand that stuff, and and it's just part of maturing and and being a teen, and and you know they have the pressure of you know school and other sports, and and there's so many factors that go into it. So just try to tell them to be patient, especially in that period. Um, so I think there are different levels. And then, you you know, you get to your junior, senior high school. It's another level. It's like, okay, where am I going to go play college? Or what am I going to do? Or, you know, and so it's a whole nother set of pressure that you have that, you know, the young lady that I was teaching, she kind of struggled a little bit after, you know, going through that process because she was nervous and, and, and I said, Jen, they, they're not going to, they're not paying attention to your score. They're paying attention to how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself, how, you right. know, they'll see the potential. They, they see it. They saw your other scores or, you know, your other finishes, you know, they, they're just watching who you are as a person, how you interact with other players and yeah. all that yeah. stuff. So, you, you know, you're trying to teach them little life skills, so to speak not necessarily golf because right because the coaches are smart and you know yeah they are I mean I've I've had three college coaches on the podcast so far um two men's coaches Chris Zambri from USC um Conrad Ray from Stanford and then I had um Josh Brewer on from Georgia the women's coach at Georgia and I've asked all of them kind of hey what do you look for um when you're out there watching players and some of their answers that they've come back with are just things you wouldn't really think about. But like uh, Josh Brewer said, you know, every tournament that I go to, I always walk into the golf shop and ask the staff, Hey, is there anybody that just stands out to you this week, positively or negatively? And I just thought that was a really interesting thing for a coach to do. Um, but to your point, they're all kind of, they're unique and, you know, what they're looking for and, you know, how they're observing what's going on. And, and, and like you said, some of it or, or most of it does not have to do with the score that's on the board. It's, you know, the things about conducting and carrying yourself. Exactly. And I think, you know, it goes a long way and, and it would go in every profession you do, whether you go into finance or into coaching or, it, it, you know, a lot of it's, you know, it's, <laughs> It's how the person acts is, <laughs> it, sure. you know, kind of speaks volumes for, you know, what type of person you are and what kind of competitor you are. Obviously, it's okay to get upset. Like, you know, I tell kids it's okay to, un you know, that you got upset, you hit a bad shot or 
whatever, but you got to move on from it. You, you got to release that energy and then, you know, refocus. That's where Tiger was so good, right? In his heyday. Like, yeah. you know, he would throw a club or stuff. Like, yeah, it didn't look good and it wasn't good, right? But it was his way of releasing it, moving on to the next shot. Because yeah. it was out. It was done. So however you do it, everybody's differently. Everybody handles it differently. But it's it's one of those parts of the game too that's make that's what makes those great players great sure yeah, what did you do to to shake off those bad shots um you know was there I, anything I specific admit, or a window I did of time? a couple times <laughs> i did a few yeah. times where you threw a club or you kind of hit your bag or um you know but over time i found just go into the bathroom and just <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> go yell at yourself in there where no one can see or hear you. But um, right, but no, the, you know what? How I dealt with it is because um, you know I was very quiet and reserved. I would hold it in, so um, I needed to just let some energy out. So that was one of the jobs of my caddy was to tell me a joke or you know okay. get get me on a conversation away from golf like get me on you know a movie or you know basketball or football whatever get me on get me get me off of golf you know and, yeah and not yeah. talk about the round just talk about something else talk about the kids or whatever and that was his job and then that really helped me because then you know maybe it was a funny joke that kind of released that out so yeah uh, that, so you guys that, actually that discussed that did, did you guys actually discuss that like, hey, if I do, you know, if, if this is a situation, this is what I want you to do for me to get me out of it. Yeah. And and he was, you know, and I had a, another caddy that I won with, too. They were good with that. Like that's and they understood that. Like they they kind of got it. You know, they just they knew when I got to that point, like, OK, I need to sure to change the situation the last thing too i wanted was them to be right next to me as well and i think they understood that as well like don't just walk right next to me when i'm kind of when you see me here let me walk away and then <laughs> yeah. when we get to the ball or up to the next shot then that's when you kind of you do that you know and, yeah and, and you know it's i think that's what when you have those long relationships those, those caddies and, and the players they understand each other so yeah, and and I also what, told the K like, hey, if I wing the club at you, don't take it personally. It's just I'm <laughs> I'm mad, and I will apologize after the round, you know. But yeah, you know, you'll see at times with other players where that happens, and it looks like they're going to get in a fist fight out there. And right, and, right. And I and I told, and then I would apologize, say hey, sorry, the we kind of toss the club back to you and all that. So it's just a perfect example of what you know. Of this, so one year I was in the last group on Saturday at Murfield uh, Village at the Memorial. So sure, obviously it was a big event for me and <laughs> a lot of pressure and you know staying at my parents' house and all that good stuff. So we're on the sixth hole and it's a decent par four over water and you know it's kind of in between clubs and so Andy and I were kind of discussing the shot and you know it was the back left pin and he's like you know just it's just this whatever i'll just come on i forget the club but you know it's, he said it's just a six iron right at the pin and you know uh you got a little backstop behind it so if it goes a little long i said well i just i really think it's a seven iron i can just hit it over here we'll take a 30 40 footer and we'll just 
you know, two putt and move on. And yeah, he's like, no, I think it's a six iron. So I'm like, all right. So I hit it and it goes right at it. And I flushed it. And all you see is the people behind the green just kind of look, they just kind of watch the ball fly <laughs> over their head, <laughs> you know, and I kind of tossed it back to him, not like in a mean way you know, whatever, but I tossed it. I told you it was a seven iron or something. <laughs> and then he looks at me and he goes, we well, didn't tell me you were going to hit it solid. So, <laughs> so you, you know, That's and then you have to laugh and you move on, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And I was able to, Stay in it, but that those are the type of shots that could really ruin. Sure, you know, even though I did go on and make a double, it still kept me in a good frame of mind. And it was one of those where I could have let that affect me and bogey the next few holes, but I was able to recover. And you know, yeah. I still finished in the top ten, but you know, it wasn't the best of day. But it, and I, I still remember that shot, like I just told you, and it, it just like. You know, we could laugh about it and move on. And now I could focus in on the next next shot or and that good stuff. So, yeah. Um, and I, what do you go ahead? No, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask, like, what do you think parents what, what can parents do when they're out there? Because like some of these young players, you know, you talk about U.S. kids, you know, you can have in some of those tournaments parents that are out there as caddies, you know, helping the kids around. What can the parents do while they're out there? Um with their kids playing either for fun or in competition to kind of help them work through some of those tough shots and just tough results. It's a great question because I think, (laughs) um, you know, I, not that I had a major issue growing up, but like, I remember looking over and, you know, seeing my dad, like he, you know, if I did something bad, if I saw him like shaking his head or like, you know, like you'd be walking way ahead or whatever and it and it affects young people and and i i i really fight myself because my son's now getting into it a little bit and he's playing those and i make him actually now i make him carry his bag because i think you learn a lot more on your own than you do by having people tell you how (laughs) yeah how to play i just i just i'm a firm believer because that's how we played right i mean i sure you just walk down the course and you learn yourself and yeah, there's time for coaching in that. That's when we go out together and we'll go play nine holes or we're just playing for fun. That's when I can kind of teach them those things. Whereas when he's in a tournament, you kind of have to learn from yourself and how to deal with it. So I kind of let him go on his own. Um, But I think what a lot of parents could do is if they can keep their emotion out of it, (laughs) especially during the bad times, um right. or the bad holes or bad rounds i think the better off and i catch myself doing it too like you're so wrapped up you just want them to do well sure. i know how my dad was and my parents were like they just want you to do well and, and 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 they hate seeing you you know they feel bad for you and stuff and 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 so like i have to catch myself doing it like not to be be that way and um i've done some stuff that i regret but i think if parents can do you know the best they could do is <laughs> just not show that negative emotion to the kids and, and, and try to keep the, try to keep it as positive as, as you can. So yeah. um, that would be my advice to, you know, Hey, this one round's not going to, it's not going to make or break the kid's life or career, you sure. know? And, and, and I remember one tournament uh, with a caddy, this is when I was a pro and, you know, we're getting ready to play the final round of Valero. And, and he goes, 
um, whatever you do tomorrow is not going to affect the the outcome of your career. Yep. So whether you win or lose, it's just, you're just going to build on it. You're not going to hurt it. So, and, and just that just frees you up. Like just think, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go out there and play the best I can. And, and that's all you can do. Like go out there, play the best you can, as hard as you can uh, be as positive as you can. And if, if the other person beats you, you go shake their hands, they well played. I mean, what, <laughs> and that's the hard part of golf because you can't really control what they do. Right. Sure. It's not like basketball where I can get in their face and guard them and, and, and stop them from scoring. Whereas in golf, I can't do that. Right. I can't, right. <laughs> I can't go up to tiger and be like, Hey, Mrs. Pop, Mr. Miss, Miss, you know, just kind of <laughs> right. talk to him or, you know, you know, give him a little grief as he's, as he's hitting a shot. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's good advice for parents. I mean, I've seen, um, you know, I've seen positive aspects of it and negative aspects of it. But like you said, at the end of the day, I think most parents, you know, I would think if they're spending their time out there on the course, uh, and with their kid, uh, they want them to do well and they want to help them. Um, but you know, I, I have seen some situations where the first instinct, you know, after a player, misses a putt is to look up and look over and see what mom or dad's reaction is. Yeah. Um, so I think if mom or dad can, you know, have a positive reaction or, you know, yeah. not hanging their head or, you know, not just turning around right. and walking away or something like that. Um, you know, it can just help reinforce that positivity for the, for the player. Right. And it is uncomfortable as a parent because they look at you and you're like, okay, what do I do? I <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> What Like what's that pot? Like if I don't do anything, then, is that a negative or if I, you know, sure. so it's, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable, but like, yeah, like I think if you just, you know, give them the thumbs up or give a little clap or something just to just, you know, let them know that, Hey, we're here for you. We're supporting you. And, uh, you know, cause at the end of the day, like you remember bits and pieces of your junior golf or your career. Right. And you don't remember every little shot, like, <laughs> and, and so, like, so why would you worry about every little shot or every little round? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so you're going to remember some of the good stuff and some of the stuff you're not proud of. But that's part of growing up, too, is making those mistakes. And, yeah. you know, I make I make yeah. mistakes every day, you know. <laughs> so Sure. We all do. You know, even today, we all do. So it's like trying to learn from that. And, you know, and, and it's okay to make mistakes. It's just give it your best effort and your best, you know, attitude and, you know, let it happen from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you're a kid that is listening to this, I think what Ben is saying is tough to wrap your head around right now as a kid, because um, it seems like every shot you hit is the most important shot and every round you're playing is the most important round and the same with the tournament. Um, and they are important. So I don't want to take away from that because to you in this moment of your life, those are important things that are going on. But um, as Ben's talking about, when you reflect back, you know, your, your career is a long journey. And so in these very early years, um, maybe just try not to get so hung up on some of those things that um, could produce some negative energy or, or hold you back from really, you know, having fun and being happy, happy with the game. Yeah. I, you know, just the, to elaborate on what you said and and you you hit on the point was like hey it's okay to treat this like it's the most important shot like i always 
like dreamed of like okay this putt is to win the masters or <laughs> right to win for the, sure the memorial and it's great to think that but if it doesn't go in you can't <laughs> and i think that's what we're trying to allude to is that it's okay yeah like did i do what i did i try my best did i go through my routine did i you know think positive the whole time and and did i put a good stroke on it and then i can live with what happens right yeah <laughs> you you can't force the ball in the hole you gotta let it go in and 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 i think that's some of the stuff you know some of the good players that's you know what separates them from you know being good to great you know like when you know and i'd love to talk to and i haven't had the chance to like like okay, when you were tied going to the last hole, like, I never had that opportunity. Like, maybe the British is the only time I can think of it, whereas I thought this putt, I, at the time, I thought it was for second place. So, okay. But I wasn't in the last group, and then I needed to make this putt to win, right? right. You know, right. I was like, I was always one ahead or two ahead or whatever. I was never, like, on the 18th green, on the last hole of the final day and had like a 20 footer or 15 footer to, to like be tied to take, to win. Like right. I never had that opportunity. And so, especially on tour and I would love to be able to like get a quote or, you know, I should look it up more, but find out what was tiger or like VJ Ernie, you know, or Jack, what were they thinking when they knew they needed to make this putt to win? Like, yeah. Was it, were they thinking about the process or the routine, picking out the line, or were they actually, you know, which I think would be wrong, would be like, I need to make this to win. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, I would love to be able to under, I, I'm almost positive that they would be like, no, I'm picking my line and the speed and just focusing in on my stroke. Cause that, when I won the bridge, that's what I kept thinking about. I was like, just put a good stroke on it, put a good stroke on it. Put right. A good, you know, that's what I kept telling myself before I hit the putt. It wasn't like I needed to make it or it has to go in. I just kept <laughs> telling myself, I just need to put a good stroke on it. So sure. it's still positive, but it's not uh force. It's not a forced issue. So, yeah, it would be interesting to talk to any of those guys that you mentioned, or, you know, there's several others you could ask too, but, uh, right you know, is it one of those situations where, you know, I've never been in that situation obviously either, but um, you know, do you get in that moment and just trust the preparation? And it kind of makes me start thinking about, you know, just with these young players, you know, the more that you compete and put yourselves in situations that you have to overcome um, some type of pressure that you haven't felt before. um, I think you would probably agree, you know, that just helps compound on, you know, the work that you've put in and the preparation that you can fall back on that alleviates some of that pressure. Exactly. And you heard the saying, you know, be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Yep, and, I have. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to allude to. And I think too, like, you know, what really helped me in those pressure situations was just to reflect on, you know, Hey, I beat some of the best players in our, our, our team. So what makes him different than, my teammates you know what i'm saying like even though sure he might accomplish more <laughs> but like you know just reflect on those positive ex- experiences and, and you know just compete every day like that's what we that's why we were good in college and why herbie was such a good coach 
was because we competed every day in practice, like the drills, the, the, you know, we're competing not only against ourselves, but against other, you know, other players and and it just makes you better. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, when we look back on junior golf, I think there's a couple things I see today that, you know, maybe that's different than when I played is that one, they only play unless it's some only play unless they won't play in an event unless it's an AJGA event. Right. Mm. So that's all they play. And I think that's wrong. I think you should play locally and, and compete at home as well. But also you see the other way where some people only compete locally and win all those events, but don't ever really challenge themselves right in the bigger stage when they can, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and, and I think that's a little bit different. And, and there's so many more options today than when I grew up to, <laughs> you know, the AJJ is, you know, there was one event a week. Now there's 15 a week. It seems like, you know, right. so right. there's, <laughs> there's a lot more options now than when we had it, but I still think it's, it's good to have that mix where, Hey, put yourself in that uncomfortable, like where you, you know, you're the best player in the field, but you got to, you got to live up to those expectations and then, then reverse it. Like, Hey, I know I'm not as good as maybe the, the top 20 in this event, but I'm going to go compete against them anyway and, yeah. and see where I stack up and I'm going to, you know, and so just challenge yourself in a bunch of different ways. Don't just do it in one way is basically what I'm saying. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's great advice. I mean, if, if you, if you're a, a player that's been listening to this show or a parent, you've heard this almost verbatim from coach Ray at Stanford. He said almost the exact same thing, which was when you're building out your tournament schedule, look at kind of three different categories. Um, and in Ben's example, he gives two, right. But, you know, go play in a tournament that you can go out there and, you know, you got to really tank it to not win that day. Um, and then maybe, the next segment of the tournament that in your schedule is one that you go out there and, you know, if you play well um, and the other folks play well that are there, you know, it's going to be a, a good battle, but you should be able to pull off, you know, winning that tournament. And then, you know, then the example you give of, you know, going out and just playing in an event that maybe you're not sure you really have any business being there. Um, you know, those three different stages of, of competition, can you know on the on the lighter end with the you know one going out there and winning with the lesser competition you know it can teach you how to win because i think that that can be a developed and learned skill too um you know in in that pressure and then you know put yourself in a situation where you really have to grind it out um to hold your own and and probably you're still going to be quite a ways back from the top of the leaderboard but you gained a lot of experience out of that um so and a lot of times, so something you're, that I, you're right. And a lot of times those, you know, you're playing a lot of times, uh, you know, when you do that, you're playing on a course that's maybe a little bit more challenging versus what you've normally been playing as well. Sure. So, yeah. and then you're playing in a different environment too. So, and, yeah, and yeah, you, for sure. And because you, you're going to learn from those kids, I think that's why I tell, <laughs> that's why I tell my son, Liam, that's what I tell all my kids. Watch what the good players are doing in your group. Watch what, watch how they, yeah. you know, maybe prepare or how they go into a shot or, you know, like you learn a lot just by doing that. Like maybe they're, Hey, what, what kind of shot is that? Like, what's he doing here? And then maybe you learn like that kind of thing, or you learn like, 
hey, I don't need to stress out over it. it looks, you know, like looks like he just walks up there and hits it. Like he doesn't even take a practice like, <laughs> or not. And it may, you know, you might find you're going to learn something, right? You're going to learn a good thing and a bad thing. So for sure. Um, and that yeah. And I mean, that's, that's something I'm focused on too, is just bringing more, you know, high level juniors to this show also. Cause that's some of the feedback that I've gotten from some of the young players that's out there is, you know, what are some of these players that are my age? It's great listening to somebody like yourself, right. That's, you know, an open champion that's won on the PGA tour that's, you know, played on a Ryder cup and won a Ryder cup. And it's, it's awesome to listen to, to somebody like you talk about your experiences and they're very helpful, but it's also helpful for them to hear from, you know, younger players that are playing the game at a high level and they're around a similar age too. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Hey, the more experience you get, the better, (laughs) the better off you're going to be. And that's, for sure. That, that's what it all boils down to. So <laughs> the more tournaments you yeah. can play in, you know, without burning yourself out, the better off you're going to be. So. Yep. Yep. Well, I want to move towards wrapping up. Um, I know I've taken up a little more of an hour of your time this morning and I really appreciate it, but um, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Uh, I know that you and Candace started the Ben Curtis family foundation. And I know that during the holiday season that we just passed, um, you guys were doing a lot of work with um, feeding families around the Thanksgiving time um, and then also doing some gifts and stuff like that um, for Christmas. Can you talk about the foundation and why it's important to you and what you guys are doing with it? Yeah, I'll be happy to. Yeah. So thank you for allowing me to do this. But uh, so to, in 2013, Candace and I, uh, we started the Ben Curtis Family Foundation. And what we do is we, you know, here in Kent, Ohio, we work with uh, the school system and we provide take-home meals throughout the school year for the kids that are in need of it. And so um, we provide right now, roughly in three school districts, we provide 2,300 bags uh, um, 10 times throughout the school year. So, you know, you, you know, do the math, you know, so every, every, once a month, basically we send 2,300 bags home and they consist of nine meals, six snacks. And they also okay. toiletry kit as well. So you get a whole soap, shampoo, conditioner, uh, toothbrush and toothpaste. So, um, but then just oh, about a month ago, um, just between Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, we we do uh we help feed kids um and their families um not only with the birdie bag we call them birdie bags is the you know once a month but we have okay. this, uh, a very merry dinner which we provide in kent and then in ravenna as well so this year we provided a hot meal for 800 uh 800 people uh they come to the kent state hotel uh have a buffet dinner lunch they get pictures with santa and cookies with mrs claus and then early in the school year so in like early september october all the kids fill out at school with their counselors or their teachers or whatever and they fill out like their wish list what they want what they need so their needs are usually you know boots coats you know keep them warm um sheets stuff like that and their wants are these you know lebron jersey or shirt or (laughs) or some shoes or a video game of some sort and so 
all every kid when they leave will they get a bag of gifts from Santa. So, um, so we had four hundred four hundred fifty eight kids this year. So um, each kid roughly got probably ten gifts or so. So <laughs> um, it, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of fun, and you know, end of the month or and you know. Christmas, the big breaks, that's the toughest time for these kids and the family. So um, we just, we try and empower the kids as much as we can too. So all the food is given to the kids. So no matter what their home situation's like or whatever, they, you know, a lot of times if you <laughs> give the kid the food, I mean, he's going to, you know, protect that food. So um, yeah. And, and that's what we wanted to do. So, um, so that's it. So it's, revolved around food and, and things like that. Um, because it's one of those things. If, if we get hungry, we just go to the pantry, the fridge or whatever, and we, or we stop somewhere and we eat. Um, and a lot of these right. kids don't have that opportunity. <laughs> so, um, they, a lot sure. of the only time they eat is when they're at school. So, and, yeah. and it's in today's world, it's just, it's very sad to see. And, and so we're trying to do everything we can to combat that as best we can here in Northeast Ohio. And we, you know, since 2007, we started with a hundred bags. And like I said, we're up to 2,300, um, bags that we do now each month. And, and so it, 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 and it's very rewarding. Like we don't really get to see the kids or know the kids, but knowing that we're making a difference and, um, try it. We, we get to see them at the dinner, the Christmas dinner, obviously, but, uh, right. um, yeah, so we're just trying to do the as best we can to <laughs> help our community. And, you know, the best thing yeah. that we can do is that – and the reason why we did it, too, and, and Ken's a very diverse community is that – and, you know, and, and the income level varies from very poverty level to, you know, very high up. And, and so we wanted – if somebody could only give us five bucks – and they provided a meal for a kid for the week. So um, that's how much right. the bag costs. So we just felt like, hey, if somebody can only give us a few dollars, it's going to make a difference. It's not like they have to give yeah. us 20000 to make a, a difference. So, and, yeah. and, that's, well, and that's why we chose what we did. And, uh, you know, obviously you can visit our website, bencurtisfoundation.org, uh, and, you know, all the information's there. And, you know, if you want to donate or volunteer or whatever, however you guys, however you can help or help out locally where you are. I mean, it, the hunger's everywhere and that's, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, in affluent communities around us, you know, where everybody thinks it's wealthy, it's still one in five kids are probably hungry. So um, yeah. the research is out there, but so if you live in California or, florida or nebraska there's there's hunger in every place so you know feel free to help out there as well yeah well i think that's awesome um thank you for doing that and i hope that the the foundation continues to grow and and you all are able to you know continue to help more and more people um every year so i think it's an awesome thing that you guys are doing thanks man and um yeah absolutely um same thing with your academy i hope that you know i, I wish you the best and you know, watching that continue to grow and, um, you know, I know that you're going to impact some young players in different aspects of their game and of their life. Um, just like all of us that have grown up around the game, you know, have had those people in our lives, uh, in the game that have, you know, really made a difference for us. So, um, continued success there is, is there anything that you just kind of want to leave this audience with, um, speaking directly to, 
parents or players, um, kind of just some, some last words. Well, yeah, I think my advice is, Hey, if it doesn't matter where you're from, what you do, what your income level is, what all that good stuff, if you work hard, the harder you work, the better the results you're going to get. So my advice to the kids is, you know, just, just always remember that there's somebody probably a little bit better than you. <laughs> and, yeah. and so you, you're not, even though you may be ranked number one, or you might be the best player in your area, there's always somebody a little bit better and use that motivation to help, you know, guide you along the way to motivate you to do better things. So um, just don't ever settle. <laughs> and I had a basketball coach that said that to me and it always stuck. It's like, Hey, just because, you stop them and you get on offense and you're winning the game doesn't mean you stop moving or running. So um, just because yes. you're ahead doesn't mean you stop doing what you, <laughs> what you've done to, to get that level. You got to always do a little bit more. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, I love it. I think that's awesome advice to end on. Um, and Ben, I really appreciate yeah, your time. Thank today. you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Well, guys, that wraps up this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys, episode 20 with major champion Ben Curtis. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that you took away some valuable information from this chat with Ben. I had a great time connecting with him. As you guys heard, we had a couple laughs. Uh, You know, got to share some really good information that I think is going to help you guys in your journeys as young players and as parents. Uh, navigating this junior golf space. Uh, So I really appreciate you tuning in. Check out Ben's foundation, the Ben Curtis Family Foundation that he and his wife Candace started. Uh, If there's anything that you can do to help with that foundation, I know that Ben and and Candace would certainly appreciate it. And, um, you know, there's obviously people that are going to benefit from that as well um, that the foundation serves. So, um, again, I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you took away some value from this episode or any episode, share the episode, share the podcast, leave a review, uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.